You know, there really is two sides to every story, especially if you're a person who has written stories or if you're a person who has written songs. Uh, you know, there, there's what you try to communicate, and then there's the message received. And sometimes there's a difference in that. You write the story, you write the song, and then it's heard maybe in, in a different way. And it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, have, you, have you ever uh, listened to a song and got the lyrics wrong and you thought you were hearing them one way and all this time you were singing the wrong lyrics? Anybody ever happened to anybody? So there's this one song, it's an old song, I don't know if you know, you'd know it, but, it, but it's by Inya, and, it, and, um, and part of the lyrics are, uh, it's, it's supposed to be, sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away, how many of you heard that song? It's like a chill, I love that song, but I didn't know that, that the lyrics were that, I thought it was save a whale, save a whale, save a whale, <laughs> and so all these years I was singing it that way, and then somebody called me out one day, go, wait, oh, what are you saying? I said, isn't it, you know, save, they go, no, it's sail away. And I had to like lean in a little bit, and, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. And so I went to this website, and I discovered that uh, there's a website that talks about the songs, some of the songs that are most commonly heard in, in the wrong way. And so here's a, here's a couple of other ones. Now, some of these are older songs, but this is by Dire Straits, and uh, it's Money for Nothing, and a lot of people hear it, Chips for Free. Okay, maybe that's actually, well, isn't that what it says? No, it's actually Money for Nothing and Chicks for Free. Just thought I'd clarify that. The rhythmics are, um, sweet dreams are made of cheese. Is that what you thought? <laughs> no, it's actually made of these. And a lot of people, you know, they, and then the last one, I'm not real familiar with the song, but I know we've got a, probably a bunch of Taylor Swift people out here. Um, and, and the song actually goes, got a long list of ex-lovers, and a lot of people think it's, uh, got, a, got a long list of, uh, excuse me, all the s- lonely Starbucks lovers. So, uh, how many of you actually thought it, you thought it was that, didn't you? Yeah, so it, it, it's all about the story, two sides to every story. Um, the question is, do I understand the narrative that the author is writing? So, I'm talking about the story of our life today. And, and, and that God wants to write our story. He wants to co-author our story with us. Um, we don't believe a lot of times. We think of our story, our own personal story. One of the things we have sometimes, I find this all the time. I find that a lot of people don't believe that their story is that bad as it relates to this thing called sin. Now, what is sin? The Bible says sin is simply um, just missing the mark. That's what it literally means. It means you missed the mark. And the mark is high. It's super high. God has a really, really high standard. And so a lot of times what we do is we sort of minimize that, and we go, well, I'm just human. You know, we kind of give ourselves a, a lot of grace in that area. I'm just human, you know, so, yeah, I lied, or I gossiped, or, you know, yeah, whatever, whatever it was. And we, we just kind of minimize that. In fact, I was having a conversation recently with somebody, and they said something that I have heard somebody say so many times in my life. And they said, they, they said, all people are basically good. Now, the Bible says something a little bit different. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, they missed the mark. And, and, and here's what I believe. I believe that all people, I, I think the majority of the people in the world want to be good. I think, I think, isn't that really, I think probably most people, you, you go, yeah, and, but they, they equate wanting to be good with being good. And, and there is a difference. Because every time that we, that we lie or we cheat or we steal or we do whatever we do, um, it, it's really messing up the plot of what God wants to do in, in our life. In fact, many times 
one of our problems with our story is that we think that we are the main character in the story. And we're not. It's kind of like, I don't know how many of you can think back to when you were like seven years old, but when you were seven years old, the world revolved around you. Right. It was, it was that. You, you know, your parents, like, they were all into, like, getting you ready for school. and It just seemed like everything was about you. And the problem is, is that sometimes as we move on and we're not allowing God to be a part of our story and to enter in and inviting him in, is it, it just continues. Pretty soon we're 23 years old. And it's still, it's all about me. You know, we're just, we're writing our story. And we are the main character in our story. And the problem is that if you and I are the main character in our story, that story is not going to be a good story. It'll be a story that you wrote, a story that it's all about you, but God has so much more. So we, for the last several weeks, we've been in the book of Ephesians. Uh, actually, several weeks in chapter one, and you're probably thinking, well, we're never going to get out of chapter one. Today, we're in chapter two. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the book, or excuse me, to the church of Ephesus. And um, I, think, I think Ephesus is a lot like San Diego. As I've looked back and I've studied the dynamics of this particular city, it, it's, it's a happening city. It's a city full of people that, uh, in this particular case that Paul is writing to, have recently become Christ followers. And a lot of them, they're not really sure what this all means. They just know that they've begun a relationship with, with Jesus. And, and, and their lifestyles were just all over the map. Probably like a lot of people in San Diego. Maybe even you, you're here today and you're like, yeah, I'm just kind of check, checking this whole thing out. And so he, as he writes these letters, he, he's writing to people of all ethnic backgrounds. He's writing to people that are rich and people that are poor. And in some cases, they're slaves. And some people that are like, young professionals and older people. I mean, he's writing to this all kinds of people with all kinds of uh, situations. Just, just like San Diego. It's very much like San Diego. And so beginning with uh, verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And then he goes, and all of us lived among them at one time. Now, who who is them? He's saying, before we became Christ followers, we were a part of the culture. We lived like the culture. We were, in many cases, pagans in this particular culture, worshiping other gods and just being, you know, just, just doing what we did. We lived among that one time. And it says, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. What, that word flesh, I know sometimes if you're new to the Bible, that word can trip you up a little bit. You know, what, what, what does that actually mean? To live by the flesh is simply to live life on your own terms apart from God and do what you want to do. Navigate life the way that you're going to navigate life. And so, for uh, a lot of people in San Diego and PB, that's just what, you know, okay, so I'm going to do what pleases me. I am the main character in my story, and so I'm going to make my life all, all about that. And the problem is that left to our own devices, sometimes that story can become a very tragic story. I think back to when I was, I was 19 years old, and I stood at a real crossroads in my life. I, I was looking at what college to go to. I, I, I was looking at what does the future look like, and I realized, having grown up in the church and then for a few years got away from the church and just got kind of crazy and wild, I just realized that I had the, all of my future in front of me, and where was it going to go, and did I want God to be a part of my future? And, and fortunately for me, I decided 
I couldn't realize the future. I could not see a future apart from God. I just thought, no, God's got to be a, a part of this. And so I made, I made a, a big decision. It was a huge decision in my life. I said, I choose to, I'm all in, man. I am all in. I'm gonna, from this point forward, I am going to follow Christ. And I'm happy to report to you that all these decades later, I consider it to be the best and the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. Now, I've often thought, well, what would happen at 19 years old had I not made that decision and had I made the other decision, which was I will be the main character in my life and not God. And I really believe, now I don't think, I'm not going to say, well, I would have been in Skid Row, you know, I was going to be an alcoholic, or I would have been addicted. I don't really think that would have played out in my life. <clears throat> I just think that I would have been all about me. I just think that I would have been, you know, advantage Steve, leveraged everything towards myself. Because I know, like a lot of people, how to really make myself look good. I know how to walk around and leave with a smile. I, I, I know how to live life that way where people go, Steve's such a nice guy. But you can be a nice person and not really be a nice person deep down inside. And I know that I could have done that. And the question is, when I wrote, what would happen if I had written God into my story? Well, it would have been, yeah, Steve Bumbachi's nice, but what's he really doing? What kind of a dad is he really for his, his kid? What, what kind of a husband is he really to his wife? What kind of a person, what kind of a neighbor is he? What is he doing to make the world a better place? And that's where the God factor comes in and changed everything for me. Paul says, as for you, you were dead in your, your transgressions and sins, in which you used to, I love the fact that he says, that's not who you are now. You used to live that way as he's talking to these early Christ followers. And as he says that, they're all reflecting and they're going, yeah, we did, man. We, we lived pretty crazy, pretty stupid, and it was all about us. But he goes, we don't do that anymore. Now we're really living in a different story. And he talks about, he mentions these forces that are out there, that are working against us. Now, how many of you know, if you, the moment that you signed up, that you made the decision to make God the main character in your story and to follow Christ, that there were going to be some forces start working against you? The Bible says that. As a matter of fact, there's a whole invisible world out there that you and I can't see satanically inspired and driven and messing with those who are serious about their, their faith every single day. That's why he says, and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. Who's the rulers of the kingdom of the air? Jesus actually talks about this, and he acknowledges this actually Satan and all of his demonic forces that are out there. And you know who they, they come after? They don't come after people that are living by the flesh. They go, right on, keep doing it. They come against those who are serious about their faith, and they, they, just, they mess with us all the time. In fact, when we get to chapter 6, we're going to see this played out in, in great detail, chapter 6 of Ephesians. But they're, they're out there, and so as you and I try to allow God to be a bigger part of our life and sort of co-write our story with us, it's not like it's just going to be a cruise. And what reminds me that I'm a Christ follower is every day I get resistance. Every day, I, let, me, let me give you an example of this. Have you ever... Have you ever had a thought come into your head that you would be absolutely embarrassed if anybody knew what that thought was? Because it's a really dark thought. It's, it's, you know, it might be something deep in lust. It might be something about like, what you want to do to somebody because they hurt you. you know, and you just, it sort of plays out in your head. Have you ever done that and then it, it was so dark that you went, oh man, how, how, oh, whoa, where did that come from? Well, I'll tell you what, if you 
are a follower of Christ, many times it comes right from the pit of hell. It's, it's those demonic forces that are out there saying, yeah, you should do that or whatever it was that got in your head. And in all of us who choose to follow Christ, there's going to be those moments and there's an acknowledgement about that. And so there's basically, our story is, all of human history, there's a theme of sin that runs through our stories. All you have to do is look at, I'm guessing probably most of you can look through your family system and go, yeah, there's a few sinners in there. I'm being facetious. There's a lot of sinners in there. There is. You look through it. Now, some of you, you come from really great homes, man. God bless you. We're happy for you. You just, you know, living life on a whole different level, I guess. But, but most of us, most of us, you know, somewhere in there, whether it's our parents or whether it's, it, it's our kids or somewhere in there, there's a lot of brokenness. There's this, it just runs. And so when, when I hear people say people are all basically good, I, Siri, I almost want to go, are you stupid? Have you looked at human history? Have you known all the world wars there have been? Have you looked at, at, at our record? It's not a good record. And as much as we want to be good, we're just not getting it right. And the only thing that's going to change the story is God. It's the only thing that can change the story. He says, all of us, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, doing what we did, following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You know, that last part sounds kind of like, whoa, deserving of wrath. What's going on there? You know, what are we talking about here? Well, let me, let me pose something to you. What kind of a God wouldn't be angry with human trafficking? What kind of a God wouldn't be angry with the injustices that are in our world today? What, what kind of a God wouldn't, wouldn't be angry about adultery? What kind of a God wouldn't be angry about the things that really mess up our life and mess up our families? And so when you see that statement, by nature deserving, that's just God saying, look at man, if your life goes that way, you're not going to get my love because I'm a God of justice. So we should never underestimate how much sin messes everything up. How much, how much it hurts me, hurts others, and it hurts God. I, I think one of, the, one of the greatest illustrations of this is actually the story of the prodigal son. And one day Jesus, he's talking about things that are lost. And in chapter 15 of Luke, he gets to the third story and he, and he says it this way. He says, there was once a dad and he had these two sons. And his, his youngest son has the audacity to say to him, hey, I want my, my inheritance right now. You know, come on, now, before he's dead. Totally, and especially that, that time, even more so, humiliates his dad in front of everybody around him. Everybody that knows him knows that the youngest son said, I want my inheritance now. Now, here's what blows my mind is his dad gives it to him. And by the way, the, the dad in this story is actually God. And he says, okay, okay, here. And he gives him his inheritance, and as soon as the, the, the younger son gets the inheritance, he goes out and it says he uses the words while living. He begins to live in the flesh. We've talked about that. And just so, you know, he, it says that he goes to a distant land. I don't know where he lived, but let's just say he, li- he ends up in PB. And he's clubbing down on Garnett Avenue every night, you know, doing his thing. And he's buying everybody drinks. 
And everybody loves this guy, man. He is the life of the party. He buys himself a Ferrari with all that money he got from his dad. The girls love him. He's just, he's just going crazy. He's having a wonderful, wonderful time. But what he doesn't realize, first of all, is how much he's actually hurting himself. Because he's just living for the moment. Living for himself. You're not thinking anybody else. And he, and he doesn't realize how much he's hurting others. I mean, back home, things are not good. He's got a heartbroken dad, and he's got other people that are in his life, and they go, why, why do you do that? So that's what happens to us when we become the main character in our own story. And, 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 then, and he is hurting God. He is hurting his father desperately. And, and the story goes on, and it just says that he just lived out this life. Now, we don't know how long it lasted. I, we get the impression in the story that dad had a whole lot of money. But somehow he burns through that money. One day, the Ferrari gets repossessed, and all the money is gone, and you can't buy any more drinks for anybody, and guess what? When the money is gone, all the friends are gone, and he finds himself in this desperate situation. Now he's hurt. He's really hurting. We're going to continue that story in a little bit. So when I allow my story to be part of God's story, here's, here's, here's what we want to do. We want to make history. Verse, let's continue, verses 4 through 7. It says, but because of his great love for us, man, I could just keep saying that for a while. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's the, that's the story that, that God wants to write in our, in our life. And the problem is that we don't believe that that story of grace is as good as it really is. We don't believe, we already talked about, we don't believe that our sin is as bad as it is. Ah, it ain't that bad, so we sort of minimize it. But we also don't get grace. So here's, here's what grace looks like as we continue with the prodigal son. So pretty soon, this guy is out of money. He's out of friends. He's out of opportunity. He ends up at a pig farm. And it, and it says that he's actually starving to death. And he begins to eat the slop that he's feeding the pigs. And one day, he has a revelation. He said, wait a second, wait a second. Even, even if I go home, and I become like a servant from bad, and I work with the servants, at least I'll have good food. Dad has this amazing place. And so he begins to rehearse this in his mind, and, and, he, and so he begins to make his way from PB back to home. We don't know how long it takes to get there, but we also know that the, that the dynamics of the story are so incredible because this is the dad that's been humiliated. This is the dad who's been deeply offended, not only by his son, but by what his son did. And everybody knows, you know, he's the son that took dad's inheritance before he even was gone. But when he comes up to the ranch, here's dad. He's not, in, he's not inside the house, you know, just mulling over this thing and someone might hate my... No, he, he's outside. He's standing there, the story says. And when he sees his son, he does something that no dignified man in the first century would ever do. He goes into a full-on run towards his son. And it says that he puts his arm around and he kisses his son. Now, this is the son who's so hurt him. 
He kisses him. And the son's trying to get his speech out. He's going, Dad, I, I don't want to deserve to be your son. And, and, and you know, I'll be a servant and on and on. And, and the dad's going, quick, get him, get him a robe, put some new sandals on his feet. You know, we're, we're going to kill, a, kill the, 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 the calf that we got out in the back. We are going to have a party of all parties tonight. Because this son of mine, he was dead. He's come back home. There's no mention of the wild living, the craziness blowing through the inheritance. You want to know what grace is? That's what grace is right there. That's that's a, a picture of God's love to us. Because of his great love for us, God in his rich mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were like the sun in some cases. Don't need you. Don't need you in my story. Just going to do what I'm going to do. So let's, let's talk about what this really means at a practical level. We know that mercy equals not getting the bad things that we deserve. Interesting thing about mercy, everybody wants it, but we're, sometimes we're not real liberal in giving it. You know, mercy, every, everybody wants mercy. But then, then there's grace. And grace equals getting the good things that we don't deserve. One time there was a, there was a religious symposium in Britain. This is about 60 years ago. And, and many of the religious scholars and theologians around the world gathered up in Britain. And they were, they were trying to decide what are the distinguishing features of Christianity that makes Christianity different than other religions of the world. And so uh, somebody stood up and they, they said, it's, it's all about the resurrection. It's obvious. And somebody else stood up and said, actually, there are some other religions that have a resurrection story of their own. Somebody else stood up and said, well, it's about the miracles because, you know, Jesus performed miracles and, you know, raised people from the dead. And, and, and somebody else stood up and said, well, actually, there are other religions that have accounts of people doing miracles in their religion. And finally, there was, there was a man who stood up. His, we know this man as C.S. Lewis. And he just said one word. Grace. Grace makes Christianity different than any other faith system in the world. Because every other faith system in the world is always, there's so, always, you have to work your way up to it. But not with this, not, not with grace. Even with karma. Karma is, is, you know, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. But, but grace exceeds that. Prodigal son, he didn't do any good. But he got good. And that's, that's what a picture of grace is. That's, that's what God does for us. Grace turns the page to the next chapter of our story. And if, if you're living a life that's a little un, unwieldy and it's a little out of control and you're not liking the chapters that are coming out, maybe you need to put the pen down and say, God, I, can you start writing with me here a little bit? Can you start filling in some of these, these chapters? Because mine aren't working out so well. thing is, if we think grace and mercy... Can erase our path? Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, give me the grace. Give me the mercy. It's not, there's so much character development. Like, there's so much in this. Like, when I look at even the few years that I was away from God and got wild and crazy, and then even in the ensuing years, when at different times, you know, I, I got off on the wrong path and just, you know, I had anger issues with God at different times and all that. Those are all part of the story. But, but God was there. Let, let, let's read on. Let's, let's read these last couple of verses, verses 8 and 9. 
For some of you probably have this memorized even. For it is by grace you have been saved because you worked so hard for it. Is that what it says? For it is by grace you've been saved because you're very religious and you go to church a lot and you read your Bible and you pray. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this, not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And here it is right here. Not by works, not by works, not by religion, not by any of those things I just mentioned. Not by, so that no one can vote. Nobody gets to say, well, I'm just so good because I just pulled myself up by my own bootstraps and, you know, I'm just so faithful. No. Nobody gets to say that because that's what grace does. God's stepping into our story and saying, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. And you know why I'm going to do it? Because I just love you that much. And all I ask you to do is allow me to write with you. Allow me to be the main character in your story. God, there's so much more that God wants to do in our lives. And he, he wants to author our story and as a matter of fact Ephesians 2 10 this is a beautiful beautiful verse right here for we are God's handiwork the actual Greek word is poema it means masterpiece you and I we're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do what be our own character go to Garnett and club all day no to do Good, good things, things that will change people's lives. To do, to do house bills like we did last week when a whole bunch of people gathered together and said, the only benefit we get from it is we get to hand the keys to these people that have nothing. We're going to work hard all weekend. To do good work. We want to change the world. We want to make the world a better place. We want to usher in the kingdom of God. And then, I like this part, which God prepared for us in advance. It's, it's up as, he looks at you and he looks at you and he looks at you and he says, you know, i got to beautiful story for your life and this is what i love it's going to play out in a thousand different ways because you're all unique you're all different you all have different personalities skill sets gifts and god says here's the beautiful part i want i want to help you realize what i created you for i want you to realize your awesome potential but you'll never realize it if you're just writing your own story if you're playing the main character in your story you have to you have to let me step in you have to invite me in every single day to write that story with you. It's not going to be a perfect story, but it's going to be a great story. It's going to be an inspiring story. Grace meets us at the most painful moments of our story. I'm, I'm imagining that those of you that are Christ followers, you probably didn't come to Christ. It rarely happens when you were at the top of your game, when you were just like life is perfect and you went, you know what, I just need one more thing. Oh, I know what it is, God. Most people, including myself, come when we're at some sort of a crossroads or maybe really in a, in a pit somewhere, and we say, man, I just, I'm missing the mark somewhere. So I, I need something, and that's when we come to God. And that's, that's where grace meets us. That's when we say, my main character is not enough. i got to make this a better story. And so I'm, I'm going to bring God into it. And so the question we leave you with this morning is this, how will I... Let grace help me write the rest of my story. Some of you, you might actually be at a low point right now. And you're going, my story's not going so well. I am playing the main character, not playing it so well. Stuff keeps happening that I wish wouldn't happen. And when I really look at myself, when I'm, when I'm left with my thoughts at night before I go to sleep, and I think about who I am, sometimes I don't like who I am. Sometimes I don't like what I'm becoming. 
I guess, I guess I actually maybe am playing too much of the main character. And this is an opportunity this morning for you to invite God back into your story and play a much bigger role than he maybe ever has. So I want to I ask you to open your hearts this morning. And, and just, just think about this for a moment. How big of a role is God playing in your life right now? How big of a role is it? I want to just put this out there for a moment. For some of you, we are going to have the baptism. Maybe, maybe this is the, the thing that where you can sort of shout to the world and say, God is going to play a, a bigger role in my life. And I'm going to shout it to the world. I'm going to have a public baptism for a whole bunch of people, invite my friends, co-workers, neighbors. And I'm just going to show them. We invite you to maybe make that a part of your story. Let me pray for you. Father, I think, of, I think of the story told, the prodigal son, a beautiful story. It, it's, a, it's a story that's so profound, that just so out of, it seems like even out of touch with, with who we are and with life and the way that our culture works, that it, it's hard for us to grasp that we could just go out and I'd be absolute fools, do stupid stuff, hurt you, hurt the people around us, hurt ourselves. And yet, your arms would be still wide open. Saying, come on home. I love you. And Lord, I pray for those this morning that maybe that's where they are. And that they'd come home this morning. They'd open their hearts to you. Lord, I I pray for others that maybe they love you, but truth be known, they're playing the main character still. You, You get involved in a few scenes here and there. But God, this morning that they would open their hearts up to you and say, God, I I need you to play (laughs) the major role in my life. I want a story that's a great story, inspiring story, a story that'll make me a better person, a story that that will make the world a better place. I need you. I pray these things in Jesus' name.